What is up and welcome back to the Freightman Podcast. Today my guest is Thomas Hansen, all the way from Denmark. He's my first international guest. And Thomas is a husband, father, pastor of Hillsong, Denmark, and Malmö. And he's well also done. and he's also yes. and he's also a marathon runner. So Thomas, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, man. I mean it took a Viking to break new ground of being the international and it's an honor being here. It's good to, it was good to meet you in Copenhagen. You and your beautiful wife and mother in law and I mean you brought the whole family. We did amazing. bring the whole family. Well it was a it and was, it was, was a pleasure. And I was wondering which podcast we were going on. Was this Gas or Pass or which one? See Gas Gas or Pass is not gonna be a podcast yet. We're gonna start kind of uh with the YouTube route and try to get famous that way and then uh yeah we, we who knows we, we might we might break the podcast ground one day but for now, for now, that's just video content. It was great content. Well, it, it really was great to meet a Viking when we were over there. And you are, uh, for those of you who don't know, who maybe are just looking at, looking at Thomas on a screen, he's about 6'8", and he's about 300 pounds. <laughs> he's just a big, burly, a big, burly Viking of a man. I'm just joking. Well, I really am excited to have you on the podcast today. Um, so for you, you know, we had a lot of conversations when I was over there about physical training, spiritual training, and just how big routines are in our life. Um, so for you, what does a physical, like, how does a physical routine play into your life? For me, it's a, um, it's something I had to do. Basically, what I did was a few years ago. We started a church here in Denmark ten years ago, and in the beginning, I. Um, I think the first four or five years, I just didn't have any physical discipline in terms of training, and um, and I was getting I was getting big, and not big on the good way. Like there was no gains at all. <laughs> um, it was just going downhill very fast. And I was sitting with someone who is very fit, and he's a good friend of mine. And he was like, "So we're we gonna talk about it." I'm like, "Talk about what?" And he's like, "You. I mean, look at you." You know, and I'm pushing like ice cream and bacon around on my plate while he's eating steamed broccoli and stuff. And I'm like, what do you want to talk about? He's like, bro. And I'm like, yeah, I know. I know. And that took me, that took me down a road of, in the beginning, CrossFit and just functional training. And later, you know, marathon just recent. And, and so for me, you know, the physical training, it is something that I try and, and have between three and five sessions a week. And um, it is something that I now value very, very high. And um, there's a whole bunch of different reasons for that. But yeah, that's, that's a routine now that is definitely a daily part of my life. Yeah, how do you feel like the discipline part has impacted you? Because even from a side of, like a, of a routine, the idea of sticking to it and being disciplined, how do you feel like that's impacted you as well? I think, I think discipline is, is one of those values that discipline begets discipline. It's, you can't compartmentalize it. You know? yeah. At the moment you develop discipline in one area of life, it spills over to other areas of life. It's like you know, if, you, if you ever have a creative outlet, whether you're writing or drawing or whatever you're doing, if you ever have a writer's block, the best thing you can do is be creative in another field because creativity begets creativity. And suddenly it spins all the plates and you're like, oh, and then you think of something. It's the same with discipline. You know, discipline is, as, is it Craig Rochelle that says, it's, it's, it's choosing what you want most uh-huh. um, instead of what you want now. Yeah. And, and I think the moment you start developing discipline, just one area, whether it's in the physical, finances, your mind, your spirituality, 
it, it, it will eventually spill over to the other areas of your life. And the other, the other way it works as well. If you start slacking discipline, that slackness also spills over to the other areas of your life. Yeah, that's so good. Well, what did, because like I said, you did, you did do a marathon, which is a big feat for a lot of people. Like what, what made you want to do that? How did you train for that? Was that uh, more intense than you thought it was going to be? Or was it, was it just the right amount of intensity for you? I think with my training, I like to I like to throw things in and just keep the body guessing, because you know you can get in a flow where it's like okay we're doing the same workout the same whatever and it's good, but it's also good just to throw something at your body where it's like whoa <laughs> you know what was that, yeah. and I'd always said I wanted to do a marathon before I turned forty, and I should have done it when I was eighteen because when you're eighteen you can just run and not stop. Yeah. And now, as you know, I'm 300 pounds and 6'8". And so it's a little bit harder now. But, you know, Corona shut it down last year. And I decided, you know what, I'm just going to still go with it. So I decided to do this 20-week training program and just stuck to it religiously. And, I mean, I live in the cold northern. I'm a northerner. And so that means running in snow and ice and the whole, the whole 10 yards. Oh, I mean, awesome. it was horrible. I didn't know all that. But, um, that's, that's crazy. But we didn't. You didn't want to just get on a treadmill inside? No way. I did that a few times. I had to do like, yeah, I had to do some long runs inside and it was just the worst. Yeah, long runs it's, from the it, treadmill are brutal. That kills your soul. I mean, yeah. that's a soul killer. It is. It is. That's not yeah. fun. <laughs> that's well, I, well, I mean, not... it, is, it is super impressive that, you know, I mean, 20 weeks to really train religiously like that is, is, is super impressive. So I, I, I did not know that. I thought it was one of those things where like you train a little bit for it, then it's just kind of like off the cusp. I'm going to like, I'm going to go run a marathon. Dude, no way. Not on my, not on my age. I'm 41 now, man. Like if I did that, I wouldn't walk again. Wait, so, wait, so did, did you reach your goal or were you late on your goal? You said, you said, no. a, you said a marathon by 40. No, because COVID-19 shut it down. Oh, so COVID ruined you from your childhood dream. Well, so I, I had trained and two weeks before the run, they shut it down because I guess you can't run outside in the open with COVID. And so they shut it down and then I just rolled my registration for the next year if, and did if, the training one more if time. If they wouldn't have done that, would you have just gone and run 20, 26.2 miles by yourself or would you have waited for the competition? See, my pride needed the medal as well. Yeah. There's no way I was just going to go. Why well, I didn't know if it was like if it was like you were gonna wait for the for the medal or if you were gonna fulfill your childhood, you know your. your no, I waited for the medal. I'm I'm sorry. I'm vain. Um, I had to I had to admit that I waited for the medal. And, and the you, crowds and the you know the the whole the whole thing. And are are you wearing the medal under your shirt like when I saw you? No, I do have a tattoo. No, I don't. <laughs> I did bring it to church. I, brought, I, 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 I ran the marathon in the morning. I went to church in the evening and I was emceeing and I had it under my shirt and I was like, look, I don't want to make this moment about myself. We're here for church. And I took my jumper off and it was just hanging there. And I didn't, you know, I did an emcee where we talked about running the race for God. And, yeah. you know, so we kind of talked about it without talking about it. Well, there you go. I love that. Um, something that we talked about when I was there was, how you do like mandatory Monday morning staff, like you, 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 know, you tell them to exercise. Where does that come from? And, you know, 
really just from what we talked about, what's the heart behind that and how do you feel like that helps us release all the things that, that we talked mm. about? Because I think that was really interesting. Yeah, I mean, it's obviously not mandatory. Like we, we encourage people to do it. Okay, yeah, not mandatory. And the reason, the reason behind it is, you know, I think when you're in ministry or, or anything where you build up adrenaline, you know, there, there's adrenaline that's pumping through your body and the adrenaline in itself is not bad. The adrenaline, it helps you focus. Adrenaline is, you know, the adrenaline, it's, it's in us from primal ages. It's, it's the whole idea of fight or flight. It's, the, it's that feeling that makes your arms go, you know, adrenaline causes your arms to empty for, oh, sorry, your stomach empty for blood and that goes out to your arms and your legs. You get that sinking feeling in your stomach. Mm-hmm. And that sinking feeling is simply just all the blood leaving your stomach and going into your arms and legs so you can make a choice of either, you know, fight or run away and take flight. You get better vision, you get better um, hearing in those seconds that you have all that adrenaline. I mean, it's crazy how we create it. That's so interesting. But the challenge is that most of us, we get adrenaline in situations and circumstances that don't burn it off. Yeah. And so we get adrenaline before a board meeting, we get adrenaline before preaching, we get adrenaline before a, you know, a high stake meeting, whatever it might be. And all that adrenaline surging through your body. And the challenge with adrenaline is that if you don't burn it off, it becomes poison to your body. And I've just found over the years that if I don't burn that adrenaline off, it makes my mind sluggish. You know, I start to wonder and it it gets you like, it just, it, it messes with you. And so I try the first thing Monday morning after the kids have been dropped at school is to get to the gym and just do a, something hardcore you know a heavy lift a heavy set or um you know the, the stairs to hell you know like just the stepmaster yeah. you know just 45 minutes on that you know just do whatever you can just to burn all that off and um you know it's 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 truly like you clear your head because you're clearing all that adrenaline out of your body yeah so as men if we don't have an outlet like that what do you think that pent up adrenaline gets targeted towards from a sinful Look, point. Yeah, I think if you don't, I mean, I think the, the whole, it causes us to wonder. And that's the thing. You know, Hebrews tells us, beware of the drift. And the drift is real. I mean, the drift, none of us, we drift towards good intentions. None of us drift towards health. None of us drift towards great marriages. None of us drift towards great economy. Yeah. You know, it takes discipline to stay on target. We don't drift into a good diet. You know, it's like, yeah. oh, I don't know what to eat. I'll just eat broccoli and salad and chicken. You know, like, <laughs> no, we don't. We, we drift towards the cupboard that's full of sugar. We drift towards bad habits. Yeah. And drifting is something that takes place in all our lives. There's undercurrents constantly. You know, when you're at the beach with the kids, we would tell our girls when we're at the beach, you've got to find a fixed point on the beach, the flag or something fixed. And regularly just look up and adjust and realign because you drift. Yeah. And I just think, you know, we got to be aware of anything that causes us to drift. And adrenaline is definitely one of those things. Adrenaline, it, 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 it messes with your mind to suddenly lose focus on what matters, whether it's the word of God or your disciplines or your, you know, your covenant relationships. Yeah. Well, because, yeah, I mean, that was even like what we talked about there, the, even the idea of, you know, if you have all this pent-up adrenaline and you don't have something to release it, then oftentimes it can get, you know, construed to like lustful thoughts or or, or anger and all these other things. So, yeah, just kind of, can you just talk on that just for a second? The idea of like, as men, 
you know, not having something to, um, and it doesn't have to, have to be adrenaline, but like if, if we don't have, I feel like an outlet, like something yeah. like physical or something that we enjoy, then like you said, we get caught up in our thoughts and oftentimes those lead to, to lustful stuff or to just pin up anger. Well, you know, like as humans, we are, we are built and created to seek towards safety uh, towards comfort, towards, um, you know, place of pleasure. Mm-hmm. And, that's, that's, and that in itself is not necessarily bad. I mean, that is like, oh, I'm safe now. That's what we seek towards safety. Um, the challenge is, though, is that we can quickly go for the immediate pleasures. Yeah. You know, the Bible says, Be, beware of the passing pleasures of sin. Or if you will, the short-lived pleasures of sin. And the whole idea that, oh, you shouldn't enjoy sin, it's like, that's, that's ridiculous. I mean, that's, that's the whole take on That's biblical, that, that, that sin, it is pleasing for a moment. Yeah. For a moment. And if we don't have that, you know, if we don't have those things in our lives built in where we find true joy and true significance and true purpose, we will go for the counterfeit. Yeah. Whether it's the counterfeit joy in, in drugs, the counterfeit, you know, intimacy in in unhealthy and, and destructive relationships or even, you know, the, the, empty, um, the empty lies and deceit, whether it's pornography or other things. I mean, all of these things, they play on the, the, um, the deceit that they can please you and they mm-hmm. can create pleasure. Yeah. And, and, and all of it is just a counterfeit. And so I just think we've got to be careful and, and look at the patterns in our lives of what it is that we um, we seek towards to cope with stress and cope with the different pressures of life. Yeah. How do you feel like physical health and spiritual health complement one another? I think it's an interesting take. I, I've been thinking about it because I think we often make that distinction, don't we, between physical and spiritual. Yeah. And, you know, when you read the Bible... It's very hard to figure out where does the physical end and the spiritual begin. Yeah. You know, if you look at in Proverbs 19:17 it says if you give to the poor physical, you lend to the Lord spiritual. Mm-hmm. And he will repay you. Yeah. It's like wait a minute, where did the physical end and the spiritual begin? You know, bring your tithe into the house. Cool. And see if I will not throw up the floodgates of heaven. It's like wait, what? You know, lift up holy hands, physical. That's your worship. Wait, what? That's spiritual now. Yeah. Um, sex, two physical beings, two physical humans, yet there is a spiritual union taking place. And, and you can go on and on and on and on. And I just think we, this whole idea that we have a physical and spiritual, where does one end and where does the other one begin? I actually think everything is physical because everything is spiritual and everything is spiritual and everything is physical. So what we do physically with our body has a spiritual effect. Yeah. And, um, you know, for, you will pay for, thousands. For good, for good or for worse. Oh, for good, for sure. Yeah. I mean, because you're disciplined. As long as it doesn't become your worship. Yeah, yeah. And that's the, that's the as long as the heart behind it is, hey, God, I want to, you know, like there's a positive motivation behind it. Anything with a negative motivation, like I'm going to work out so that I don't die. It's like, dude, that's yeah. such a negative vibe. <laughs> But like you say, I want to work out. I want to be fit so I can play with my grandkids one day so that I can live a long and productive life, you know, so I can feel joy and happiness. You know, that's amazing. Yeah. 
Did you notice anything in your life, like when you talked about five years ago when you were, um, when your friend called you out for being unhealthy? Like, did that impact your? I was more than unhealthy, bro. <laughs> I was a slob. Well, did that did that impact your spiritual walk at all? Like being disciplined with one thing, because like you said, uh, discipline begets discipline. Like, did you see correlations from that idea of like I'm going to start becoming, you know, healthier? physically whether it's nutrition or, or going to the gym have you did you see implications from that on you know being a lead pastor and or anything like that absolutely i um it made my mind sharper um it brought me more joy absolutely um i mean you just got the endorphins you got all those things happening in your body um so it made me sharper it de- it it de- definitely brought me more joy um, the energy is undoubted obviously but also the whole discipline begets discipline. You, you, you suddenly get into a frame of mind of saying, if, okay, if I, can, if I can push the bar there, where else can I push it in my life? I didn't think I could ever lift that, but I'm lifting that now. What else could I do? That's cool. And, and I think that's the same in your, your spiritual life. You're like, I could never read that or I could never do that on a daily basis. And suddenly you're like, I'm doing it. Yeah, that's awesome. I've never, th- I've never really thought about it like that. That's really cool. So for those listening, um, I feel like the last few episodes we've talked a lot about men and masculinity and you know calling men to be men and, and raising the bar, and that's something that me and you talked a lot about there. Um, but for somebody listening who that language maybe confuses them, what do you think that actually looks like when we say things like you know, bringing men back to actually being men and we need to raise the bar for men? What do you think that actually looks like? Man, that's such a good question because I think being a man, I mean, we live in a world right now where definitions are being thrown out the window. Yeah. Um, there's just like no one knows what a man or a woman is. I mean, it's just those Crazy. definitions are being th- thrown out the window. And I think it's important to realize that first and foremost, we created in the image of God. Yeah. That my identity, value and worth, my purpose, it's found in that relationship with God. It's not found in what I do. It's I am not my success or my failure. I am not my paycheck. I am not what I drive or what I wear, which I think a lot of men, like we find value in those things. And while we can like it and we can appreciate it, that's not where I find my worth or value or purpose. And so I think being a man, if you had to boil it down, is taking responsibility. Mm-hmm. You take responsibility for yourself. You take responsibility for your family. You take responsibility for society around you. I think that's when you boil it down. That's, that's where you are. I mean, the first murder in the Bible, sorry for going heavy now, uh, Cain killing Abel and God stepping down and asking this rhetorical question, hey, where's your brother? Mm-hmm. You know, like, where's, and he's like, what? What, am I my brother's keeper? And it's like, yeah, you are. I mean, the silence is just so overwhelming. It's like, yeah, you are, you are your brother's keeper. Mm-hmm. You, you know, you're supposed to take responsibility and you didn't. And so yeah. I think being a man, whether you are a beast like yourself or a sprawny, tall guy like myself, um, being a man at the end of the day, it's taking responsibility. It's taking responsibility for your family, taking responsibility for your wife, your kids, your parents, and then, you know, your church and, and the community around yourself. Yeah, and I think being humble, I mean, that's, you know, I feel like that idea of just masculinity also lends itself to, to thinking that that doesn't mean you know, that, that doesn't require you to be humble, which is, you know, that's one of the main characteristics of 
what we need men to be. Absolutely. I mean, if we are creating the image of God, I mean, Jesus is the visible image of the invisible God. Yeah. And uh, the Bible says in Colossians. So if that's the if that is the visible image we have of who God is, and we create in His image, we see Jesus as the servant king. Yeah. Um, you know, it is said that Moses was the meekest man on the planet. Meek doesn't mean humble. It means strength under control. Yeah. Um, and so it's not that you're not, it's not that you're weak. Yeah. It's that all that strength you have, it's under control. Yeah. And unfortunately, that, that's what we see is that we see in a broken world, we see men that are stronger than their wives or stronger than their kids or stronger than someone else, but they don't have their strength under control. And so they, they fly off the handle or they, they, they abuse or misuse people around them. And it's like, dude, you're strong, but that's not what makes you a man. You've got to have mm-hmm. that strength under control. Yeah, that's so good. Well, if we've strayed so far from that, how do you feel like practically you get back to that? Like, what do you think are practical steps to being in a culture and a generation where that isn't the case? Like, obviously, through the work of the Spirit, but like, you know, I don't know, practically, how do you think we get back to where men take responsibility and where men are humble? You know, like, we obviously in the church world setting, and I think... I think we've got, to, we've got to be honest with ourselves and ask ourselves, what is it that we're rewarding and what are we, what are we celebrating? Because I think what you celebrate public, people will copy private. And, and we've got to ask ourselves, like, what is the image that we've been celebrating over the years? What's the kind of man that we've said, oh, he's a man. He is. I mean, that is a man. That is an amazing dad. That's an amazing... And then you scratch, you know, under the surface and you're like, really? Was, was, that, was that the person we put on the pedestal? Mm-hmm. And so I think that all of us just need to take responsibility and just admit, well, we've got it wrong. And maybe just go, you know what? That's, that is not the picture of the man. And that is not the picture of the father. And that is not, and, and, and allow ourselves to not only be the example ourselves, but also just make sure that the people we highlight as examples for others, they are truly examples worth following. Yeah. What do you think that picture has been? I think it's been what you just mentioned before. It's been the bravado. It's been the, the macho, you know, yeah. person. And, and whether it's our generation before us or whether it's, um, you know, the, the, the movies, the Hollywood, you know, idea of a superhero, you know, it's very few Avengers that are scrawny looking. I mean, the yeah. only Avenger that's scrawny looking is Loki, and he's not really a, a yeah. you know, in the hero category. And so you've got to ask yourself those questions. What is it, like, what's the image that we are constantly pushing out there as the hero? Yeah. Man, yeah. I mean, because it really is, like, in, you know, because, because that's even, what, that's even what, what we talked about there, and this is even kind of taking it another direction, and this is a, you know, a heavier thing, I guess you could say, but, like, you know, because like, like you talked about, you just talked about the macho man, but then again, at the same time, culturally, you know, it's more femininity, femininity in, in males that's becoming, you know, also super prevalent. So it's like, how do you, you know, there's two polar extremes and it, it's, it's very confusing for people. Yeah, but it's also our definitions of it because we've had such an extreme view on the macho, you know, you cannot stay in the extreme forever. I mean, anyone that's done suspension training, you know, at some point you've got to let go. <laughs> you cannot yeah. hold that forever. Yeah. 
And the, and the pendulum will swing the other way. It will swing to the other extreme. And we are, we, I think we're in a season right now in society where, where the pendulum is swinging to the other extreme. And we've got to allow it to land somewhere in the middle because if we've constantly said that the, that the man is like the John Wayne, the, 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 the Avenger hero, the, you, know, you don't cry, you don't show emotion, you don't whatever, now the pendulum's going to swing to the other way where you're crying or whatever. That's not feminine. You know, yeah. you've got to just figure out where do, where do we land in the middle where yeah. you can, again, have strength under control. Yeah. You know, the Bible says God has given us a spirit of power, love, and self-discipline. Yeah. Well, it's like King David. It's like, how do I slay 10,000 men, but then also play the harp and weep? So it's like, how, what, where's, yeah. like, and I'm a shepherd. Like, where's That's the, your challenge. Yes. Like, I can kill a lion and a bear with my bare hands, but then again, I'm also you know, going to dance around the temple and my wife is going to, you know, ridicule me and I'm going to cry and play the harp. So it's like, like, but, but then again, he, you know, killed lions and bears and slayed 10,000 men. So it's like, how do you, like, it's just, like you said, it's that pendulum, but he falls. Right so what made him a man? Was it him killing the lions and the bears or playing the harp? It's a good question. Well, I think, well, the, it says he's a man after God's own heart. So I think it's just, I don't know, I think it's just his, like, because there was a point where he wasn't humble, you know? Mm. So I think, but after a while, he did take responsibility for what he did. But I think it's just, you know, I really do think that he just loved God. Um, mm. And he followed him. You know, he was a great king, but he was also a warrior. And he also, you know, wanted the Lord's work to be done in, the, in, the, in, his, in his place. I don't know. What do you think? No, I love that. I think that's... I think it's that i think he understood he understood that he understood that he was created in the image of god yeah he understood that and he and he allowed himself that and i think that's the beauty of it he allowed he trusted the process he trusted the process that god had him on and you know allowing soul to to kill the soul inside of him yeah yeah see that like pre pre-king is i think that's that's the perfect idea of, of, of that meekness that you talked about, that strength under control. Like the amount of times that he could have killed Saul because, right. they, because pe- they wanted him to, you know? Like, I feel like that's such a perfect illustration of, of the meekness that you talked about. Mm. Like when he cut off yeah. his, when he cut off this part of his garment in the cave, like, like that is... So boss. Such a boss move. Such a boss move. Seriously. It's like, I was there. Yeah. I was there. Yeah. Just, you know, dabbing himself with it. I was there. Yeah, he, he, had to, he had to have been a boss. Yeah, there's totally. No way, there's no way he wouldn't have been. Yeah. I mean, he, I mean his, his pers- persona inspired the worst of the worst in society to become the 300 mighty men. Yeah. I mean, that's crazy. It says everyone who was in debt, anyone who was bitter, anyone who was hated, anyone who was angry gathered in Adullam's caves with him. And those were the same people that a few, you know, a year later emerges as the 300 mighty men. That's so interesting. Like, what a beast to be around that he, the way he would have carried himself would have inspired these people that didn't trust leadership, didn't trust men, didn't trust whatever, going, I want to be like that. Yeah. Why do you think that was? Like, what do you think it was about him that people did that, that people did that? I think it's what you're saying. It's the, it's the humility. It's the... It's him understanding, you know, like Jesus said to the, to the, the Roman soldier, he says, 
you know, who understood that to have authority, you got to be under authority. Yeah. And, and I think David understood that is that his authority is held by God. That as long as I submit to God, I have power. Yeah. But the moment I try and take the power, I lose it. That's so interesting. Because, yeah, because now it's like, you know, we live in a culture where it's, you know, you are the center of everything and you have, you know, the power and everything. And it's, uh, it's very, yeah, it's very backwards from, from the Bible. But, um, yeah, for those listening, you know, as men in, you know, in the U.S. and obviously, like we said, you're in Denmark. What are, because um, you travel a lot, you know, you, you just got back from Hillsong um, Conference in Australia. What do you think is something that men in Denmark struggle with that, you know, is similar to what people in Australia or the U.S. struggle with? Or, you know, are there, is there something that kind of differentiates you or you think that we're kind of all on the even playing field right now with things that men are walking through? I think sin is like grace. It's, it's the great equalizer. Yeah. You know, it's the great equalizer. We all, we all need grace. It doesn't matter who you are. And we all, we all are tempted by sin. And I think we are, we are you know, in, in Denmark, Denmark is a very unique country in terms of we were the first to legalize pornography. We were the first to legalize abortion. Um, alcohol, you know, your drinking, legal drinking age is 16 um, 20% of Copenhagen, that's the capital in Denmark, 20%, they say, of adults are functioning alcoholics. And so, obviously, alcohol, um, the whole sexual side, it's, it's a massive, massive um, thing here in this part of the world. But whether we're more unique than other countries, I think, I think we all face the same gold, glory, and, you know, and girls, you know, it's, it's all there. Yeah. Why do you think y'all are so friendly, though? You know, it's just a cross we have to carry, you know, just being a friendly people group. Yeah. No, I don't know. <laughs> well, because I'm like, because you say all those facts, but then it's so interesting because, you know. Maybe because everyone you met were drunk. Maybe. Even the, wait, <laughs> even the waiters and the waitresses. Um, yeah. But yeah, because, I mean, the people there were just, by and large, just more friendly and nicer than people you meet here in the States, like. Just very welcoming, very friendly, and but I'm, I'm, I say that to say like you wouldn't think that they don't love God or they're you know all those well, other things that you just said. Well, Denmark is when you when you're looking at personal relationship with Jesus, like personal Christians, um, some put Denmark in unreached people group category. Um, we have yes, we have about fifty five percent of the population as part of the state church, but that just means that. They were infant baptized in the church and might not have been there since. Yeah. And in terms of born again believers, it's something like less than 1% that are Christians. And so it's, it's interesting that a country where that so often tops the list of happiest people on the planet is also one of the, the most unreached people groups on the planet. And it's just, um, that, that's just fascinating that, that, to me. Like I, don't, I just don't get that correlation. No, that tension is so interesting because, you know, as a pastor here, you know, you scratch the surface and people are like, well, I don't need God and I don't need faith and I don't need Jesus in my life. And then you realize, you know, I think COVID-19, the war in Ukraine, these, these situations start teaching us, wait a minute, 
maybe there needs to be more than just universal healthcare. Maybe I need more than free education. Maybe I need more than whatever. Maybe there is something more to life than that. Yeah. What do you think is harder to preach to somebody like that or somebody? Because, you know, we talked about, you said um, you could walk around this restaurant and probably nobody would be able to tell you what John 316 is. But then I was like, you could go in a restaurant here, then everybody would know what John 316 is. And then, but then again, everybody thinks they're saved. So do you think, what do you, for you, and this is a loaded question, but what's mm. easier to preach to? Uh, neither one is easy, but which one, like, you know, preaching to the person who uh, doesn't think they know God or the person who does, or the person who thinks they have God, but maybe they're not actually, you know, following Jesus? Well, I think in terms of resp- it depends on the preacher. If the preacher is after just a response and make themselves feel good, I would definitely choose the American crowd any day because yeah. they'll make you feel good. But yeah. in terms of moving the needle in people's lives, I think, I think someone that thinks that they are already good with God, they will be quicker to dismiss the message because they're like, that's not for me. That's for everybody else. Yeah. Because I'm a Christian, you know, and it's like, nah, really? You know, where, where I'm sitting with someone who's, you know, in Denmark that would not say they're Christian. We, we're having a journey from the day one. Do you, know, do you get what I'm saying? Yeah. Where if you're sitting with someone at a restaurant in America and you're like, oh, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm American. I'm a Christian. And it's like, it, it's going to be harder moving that needle because there's just an assumption that everything is okay. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. There was a, Matt Chandler did a sermon a few years ago. Uh, and he was talking with this guy who thought that he was a Christian because he was born in San Antonio. And it's just crazy. Like, he literally thought he was a Christian because he was born Brilliant. in this city. Like, it's just crazy, like, how we, <laughs> construct, awesome. how we construct these things in our mind. Because, yeah, because he was in New York at this, um, like, conference or gathering or something. And people in New York were talking about how difficult it is to preach in New York because, you know, of all the lost people. And he was like, well, I'm preaching in Dallas where everybody thinks they're saved. He was, then he told the story. I was talking with a man who thought he was a Christian just because he was born in San Antonio. So it's like crazy. Yeah. I mean, like everybody has their giftings and, and all those different things, but it is, it is interesting because there's, it's the polar extremes, you know, it's like somebody who's completely lost, but doesn't think they need God. But then the person who might still be lost, but thinks they have God. It's, it's an interesting it's, it's It's one of the challenges of the world religions is that we're not only a faith, but we're also a culture. And there's some of the world religions that's not only a faith and a culture, it's also a people group. And so you can bounce in and out of those definitions depending on how it suits you, the conversation. Yeah. So you can talk about Christianity as a culture because we live in a cr- Christian nation, one nation under God. Or you can then slip out of that group and now say, no, I'm talking about Christianity, my faith. And so it's, it's an interesting dynamic when you're talking about the, the major world religions. Yeah, it is very interesting. Very interesting, very interesting. Well, before I ask the challenges, I just kind of just felt led to ask, is there anything on your heart that you want to share on the podcast? I don't mean to put you on the spot. On my heart? I, I, well, I just had the thought of like, I don't know, I'm just going to ask if there's anything that you want to say or encourage or, or whatever, ask or whatever. I don't know. Just that Man, I just, think, I just think for anyone that's listens, I think, first of all, this is amazing. And I think um, good on you for doing something like this. I think we need to call, we, call, we need to call men, you know, to take responsibility for their lives. And I think men 
often are just coasting through life and and just living beneath their potential and my dream is to see people become i mean without sounding all american but like to become the best they can the best version they can be but yeah. i do believe the best version of you is found in jesus mm -hmm. Because he removes all the limitations. And that's what's so amazing about having faith in Jesus is that it's not just a work on your physical body, which is important, but we go behind the scenes. And Jesus always knew the issue is never the issue. He sidesteps the issue and then deals with the heart. Yeah. And I would just encourage any man here just to you know make a decision of having your daily discipline, um, not only in the training, the physical, but also making some decisions in terms of the word of God, of making that as a part of your daily life. You know, we have diet plans and meal planning or whatever. Maybe we also need a meal plan when it comes to the word of God. Yeah. I love, I, well, first off, I love that. But I also love how you said Jesus takes away our limitations. Because I think something that we, all, we also think, you know, when, when we read the Bible, is that the Bible puts limitations on you. So where do you think, why do you think, you know, that Jesus takes away limitations while at the same time some people think that the Bible just restricts you and limits you from, you know, living your best life, quote-unquote, so to speak. Um, yeah, I mean, that's, it's a catch twenty-two too because he, he does, there is limitations because in any relationship there will be limitation. Um, the moment I say I do to my wife on that wedding day, I also say I don't to every other woman. Yeah. That's a limitation. Uh -huh. But there is freedom within that limitation. That's good. And so I gotta, I've got to not look at the limitation, look at the boundary lines and go, I can't do that. I can't do that. No, no, I can do this. <laughs> I, am in, I am within here. And I think the challenge with a lot of men is that, is that we fall for the, the, the marketing ploy of sin. Sin's greatest marketing trick is to make it look like freedom. To say you can do what you want, when you want, how you want, because you want, as long as it feels good, do it. But freedom isn't always freedom. Mm -hmm. Because you are, you are lost at sea, you're going nowhere. And so it's actually choosing, I'm gonna choose to limit myself because I want the best for my life. Yeah. And so I can say, I can eat whatever I want. Yeah, but that's not freedom because that's gonna kill you. Uh -huh. Do you get what I'm saying? Like, yeah. I can sleep with whoever I want. Great, but that might also kill you. Yeah. And, and so it's, it's, it's realizing that the life, the best life God has for you, um, it is freedom within restrictions. Yeah. Man, that's so good. That is so good. Well, the, the way we end every episode is we have a physical and a spiritual challenge. And, you know, you made me laugh when, you, uh, when, I, was messaging, when I was messaging you about it because... Yes, I also do the challenges, but you know the hope is that the, those listening do it, and it keeps them motivated, it keeps them engaged and interacted with the podcast and all those other things. So, what uh, spiritual challenge and physical challenge do you have? How many days is this over? Seven days. Don't, Seven days. Don't, yeah, all don't, right. Yeah, don't don't do something like you know read the Bible in a year or something like that. No, 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 no. Okay, so the physical challenge because I was I was thinking of you. I was like. First, I was thinking about throwing Murphy away, but I'm like, there's I no cried. way. That's too easy. I would have cried if you did, Murph. Whatever. Don't think about me. Think about the person listening. I'm thinking about you and the person. Um, okay. But the Murph would have been too easy. So this is the challenge. This is going to be a stretch. You've got to run. I'm doing a running challenge. Okay. 
21 miles over seven days. Oh my gosh. However way you want to break that up. You can do three a day, you can do whatever, but across seven days, you've got to, you've got to knock off 21 miles. Okay, and for those listening, you can definitely walk 21 miles if you want to. Some people can't run. Some people can't run 21 miles in a week. Yeah, you can. I'm saying some people. You can walk 21 miles in a week. That's three miles a day. You can walk three miles in a day. Yeah, if you live in Denmark where where you don't drive cars. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. For the next seven days, take a trip to Denmark. Don't take the don't take the lift. Don't take the you know escalator. You you walk. Okay. And I'm gonna put a heavy emphasis on try to run no or way. walk. Try to run. Try to no. run or walk. What does your shirt say? What does your shirt say? Stop trying. Start training. <laughs> <laughs> That's actually funny. Good. That was, that was a good one. All right. What's the spiritual challenge? Okay. Those seven days as well. You do a daily soap. Daily soap. Do you know what soap is? <laughs> no, what it's is that? Not soap, as in <laughs> soap. Soap is a devotional challenge. Okay. So S is scripture, O is observation, A is application, and P is prayer. Okay. So it's a See, journal. Here, you got a in, journal. In, the, in the U.S., soap is like body body wash. Yeah, that's that's a global thing. Thank you, Einstein. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so 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 seven day daily devotional soap. Yeah, so basically what I'm saying, you got to do a journal every day. Okay. So you got to, I journal every single day. You got to journal for those seven days. And soap is just a good way of, if you've never journaled before, the soap strategy is really good because you can, you, firstly, you write your scripture, write the scripture out. Then you write a few observations from that scripture. Then you write an application. Okay, how's this going to apply to my life? And then you end up writing a prayer. Love that. All right, great. So 21 miles and, and a little bit of soap. Yep. There we go. Thomas, man, thank you so much for joining me on this podcast. I really think that this is going to help people. Um, I yeah, hope so. We, Thanks, we, man. Thanks we for need, having me. We need, we need men to, to step it up, and some are doing it, some aren't. So if you're listening, I hope this encourages you, but I hope this also challenges you to step up and actually be a man. And that does not mean go bench press 400 pounds, but it means to take responsibility and be humble. Absolutely.